This sermon is brought to you by Christ Church South Philadelphia, a church that is committed to living out the gospel in their neighborhood and from there impacting the world. For more information about our church or to support our mission, you can go to www.christchurchsouthphilly.org. If you could turn with me in your Bible to Psalms chapter 23. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, just raise your hand. One of the ushers will be happy to, to get one to you. And if uh, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to take that home as our gift to you. We'd, we'd love for you to have a copy of, of God's Word for yourself. Well, this morning we are continuing in our series, the, the story behind the song. Um, in this series, what we're, we're doing is taking a look at some of the, the greatest hits in the, the Bible psalm, songbook, the Psalms. And in addition to looking at the psalm itself, we, we are also looking at what, what is the story in particular behind this particular song. You may have perhaps had the experience where you've heard a song on the radio and you've enjoyed the song, but then when hearing the backstory to it, all of a sudden that song takes on new and, and deeper meaning. You're able to enjoy that song in an even more meaningful way. This morning we are, are looking at what might uh, not only be the most well-known song in all the Bible, but may arguably be the most well-known song in all of history, really, and that is Psalm 23, the famous psalm that states, the Lord is my shepherd. Someone may know very little of the Bible, but chances are they're, they're familiar with this particular psalm. This is a psalm written by David, like the other psalms that we have looked at the past couple weeks. And while we've looked at particular events in the the psalms we've looked at over the past few weeks that inspired David to to write those psalms, um, we kind of zoomed in and looked at those events. This morning what we're doing is kind of zooming out a little bit as there's there's not one particular story or one particular event that inspired uh, the writing of this psalm, but but a a season in the, the life of David we're looking at, and that was before becoming king of Israel when he served his family as keeping the, the family sheep as a, a shepherd. Uh, we probably don't have many shepherds here in Philly, uh, but as we consider more about what this role meant for David, we will see an even deeper meaning to these words that God inspired him to write. The title of this morning's message is Finding Peace in the Presence of Our Shepherd. While we read together for our call to worship this morning, I'm going to read Psalm 23 once again for us. This is the, the word of the Lord. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God bless the reading and now the preaching of his holy word. Heard of a a pastor recently in an effort to be intentional and 
strike up meaningful conversations while sitting next to people on an airplane uh, would, would, would tell the person next to him, you know, I, I can tell something very important about you. The, the people would obviously be intrigued and, and they'd ask, okay, what is it? Tell, tell me what you, you know about me. And he would say, you are someone who struggles with a great deal of fear and anxiety. It's a great way to start a conversation, right? And invariably, the, the person who he was talking to would say, yeah, you're right. How, how did you ever know? And, and the reason he could say that with, with such confidence was because the reality is that anxiety and fear is a, a common struggle to us all. So no matter, no matter who he said it to, chances were they'd say, yeah, I, I feel that. I, I am anxious and fearful. In many ways, anxiety and fear are part and parcel of our, our human condition. We live in a, a scary world where, at times, bad things happen. As much as we, we wish this wasn't the case, there's, there's just so much in our lives that, that is out of our control. And it can cause fear and anxiety. Perhaps you're, you're here this morning, and you can't even pinpoint why, but you can just attest to just a low-grade anxiety in your life. And I don't even know what the reason is, but I, I, I just feel that. And yet we, we see in our psalm this morning this, this beautiful picture of a, a soul at peace, satisfied, content, restful. And, and, and the question we can find ourselves asking is, is this type of life even possible for someone like me? Why is it that the, the words of this psalm seem so familiar to us, and yet the experience it, it speaks of can seem so foreign? Is it possible to live lives that are not characterized by fear and anxiety? And the psalmist here would say, yes, it is possible. While this is a very personal song, yet it was written to be sung as a, a song by all God's people. Old Testament scholar Bruce Walkey goes as far as to say that David wrote this psalm as a, a paradigm for all of Israel to view life. This is the, the type of life that, that God holds out to his people. And I believe that in this psalm, David not only points us to his experience of peace, but points us to how we too can experience the beauty of what's described here in this psalm. As we look at our, our text this morning, I think it's important to acknowledge up front that there are at times medical reasons that, that people feel anxious, and I don't want to oversimplify things by inferring that, that anxiety is, is always caused by, by spiritual reasons. But what we're looking at this morning is the, the anxiety that, that you and I experience, the, the common anxiety we experience living in an uncertain world. And what we see David do in this psalm is essentially he walks us through three questions in life that, that can often be at the root of so much of our anxiety. And these are the questions. Will I have what I need what will happen if I experience hard things like trials and suffering? And then just finally, what, what does the future hold? What, what, what does the future look like for me? And all the, the, the uncertainty that that question can bring. Each of these questions is answered in this psalm. Here's the, the big idea we'll see in our text this morning. It's quite simply this. Because our shepherd is always near we can trust him to take care of all that we fear. Because our shepherd is always near, 
we can trust him to take care of all that we fear. We're going to see how this shepherd who is always near to us provides for us, protects us, and plans for us. And by doing so, answers these questions that can often cause so much of our anxiety. So let's look at point number one. Point number one is our shepherd provides for us. To give some of the, the story behind the song, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that actually we, we first encountered David for the, the first time in the Bible. David was the, the youngest of eight brothers. And because David was the youngest, uh, by default, he took on the lowliest of tasks in the family. And that was he was in charge of taking care of his father's sheep. Shepherding was by no means a glamorous job. You, you dealt with sheep all day. Sheep are these helpless, needy creatures. They have no ability to care for themselves, no ability to protect themselves, always getting themselves in trouble if they're not looked after. And because of this shepherding role that, that required the, the constant attention of, of the sheep, the, the shepherd was was. This wasn't a nine-to-five type job. This wasn't a job you kind of clocked in and then clocked out at the end of the day. You went home and, and washed up. There, there was this expectation that, that really the shepherd was always going to be with the sheep because the, the sheep were, were just that needy. They needed him constantly. That was what we see was expected of David as a, a young man, that, that he'd constantly be with his, his sheep. We, we see this when we first meet David. The, the prophet Samuel is sent by the Lord to David's father, Jesse, to, to find Israel's future king amongst Jesse's sons. And it's, it's interesting because you would you think at a moment like this where one of the most important people in all of Israel shows up and wants to meet your family, that, that Jesse would be gathering all his sons together, and you know this is kind of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and yet he doesn't even think to, to introduce him to, to David. You see this in verse 11, Jesse introduces Samuel to all his other sons, and it says, then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? He said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he, he's keeping the sheep. David's father just kind of assumed, like, I, I can't interrupt that. Someone needs to stay with the sheep at all times. It's part of his role as a shepherd. You see a chapter later, something similar happens where David and, or David's brothers are encamped as they're at war with the Philistines. And, and David shows up on the scene and his oldest brother in verse 28, Eliab, gets angry and says to him, Why have you come down and with whom have you left these few sheep in the wilderness? Saying you, you can't leave the, the sheep alone. They need constant care. You're a shepherd. You're supposed to always be with the sheep. And it was in this experience where David spent day and night with these needy creatures that, that were absolutely dependent on him. That, that David saw that this relationship between shepherd and sheep is, is such a, a fitting picture of our relationship with the Lord. As humans, we are needy creatures as well, in constant need of someone greater than us to, to care for us and to, to shepherd us. Like these sheep, we need the, the constant presence of our shepherd in our lives. That's why David starts this beautiful psalm with these famous words, the Lord is my shepherd. He saw his constant need for the Lord he saw left to himself, he had no idea 
what he was doing. He was just going to mess things up. Left to himself, he had no idea what he really needed, no idea how to truly provide for himself. He saw like a sheep that he was just constantly prone to wander, as that song we we sing uh, says, and get himself into trouble. To say, I need a shepherd, was, was an incredible declaration of just how needy David saw himself to be. Friends, for you and I, the the first step towards experiencing the peace the the psalmist describes in this psalm at at the the very outset is do we recognize just how truly needy we really are? This is where it starts. And David, as he has come to understand just how how needy he truly is, knew there, there is only one that has the resources to meet his vast needs. It can be easy to miss this, but if you, if you notice, in most translations, you'll see the word Lord here, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, written with all caps. This is to point out to the reader that this is a place where the, the personal name of God, Yahweh, is being used here in the original Hebrew text. This is the name by which when Moses sees God in the, or God appears to him in the burning bush and, and sends him on a rescue mission to free his people from slavery. And Moses says, if they ask, what is your name? What do I tell them? God says, tell them Yahweh sent you. The name Yahweh speaks of the, the faithful presence of God in the, the life of his people. It means he's the, the great I am. And the, the name of Yahweh is the declaration from God that I am the one who is with you. To meet your needs. David is saying Yahweh is my shepherd. The the same Yahweh who revealed himself to Moses. And then shepherded his people through the wilderness to rescue them. The same Yahweh who who daily miraculously provided for their needs in the desert. Providing them food where there there was no food. Providing water where there, there was no water. Same Yahweh who protected them in the midst of danger when there seemed to be no way out, even when they came up against the the Red Sea and he splits the Red Sea for them. This is the the same Yahweh that he says is my shepherd. The same Yahweh who who ultimately, after 40 years of leading his people in in this way to the promised land, at at the end of their journey was able to say to them in Deuteronomy 2.7, These 40 years, the Lord your God, Yahweh your God, has been with you. You have lacked nothing. This is the one who David says, he is my shepherd. And that is why he says, because of this, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. The word here for want is the the same exact word that that God uses in the verse in, in Deuteronomy when he says, you have lacked nothing. David is making a connection here. He's saying, because this Yahweh is my shepherd, I will have the same experience as God's people did in the wilderness. I shall lack nothing. I shall not want. I will never be without what I need. David testifies that, that not only has God been faithful in generations past to his people to provide for them, but, but he's experienced his faithful provision personally. Notice he says he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He provides for me in a way that that puts my soul at rest. Sheep that can lie down in green pastures is a a sheep that that has even more 
than what they need. This is a, a sheep that's, that's not worrying about where their next meal is coming from. Hebrew here for still waters is he leads me besides waters of, of rest. Our, our shepherd provides for us in a, in a way that, that we can rest, that we don't have to be anxious, that we don't have to worry. And yet David knew from, from his experience as a, a shepherd that even in the, the midst of abundance, that, that sheep are, are just notoriously these, these restless creatures. Right? They, a, a sheep can be in a field full of green, luscious grass, more food than they could possibly ever know what to do with, and yet the, you know, the, the brown patch on the other side of the, the valley there catches their eye, and, and, and they become convinced, that's what I need. And they, they, they lose sight of all that has been provided for them, and become anxious and fixate. I need to get to that, that brown patch of, of dry grass over there. Sounds familiar, right? Often this can be our experience. God has provided us all things that we need, even things we, we don't realize we need, and yet we can be fixated on, on the thing we think we need that, that we don't have, rather than our, our hearts being filled with, with psalms like, like this one here of the, the Lord's provision. We can have this, this constant song just playing in our minds. Just, if I only had this, if I only had this. And it just plays throughout our minds throughout the day. We wake up, right, and immediately that, that song starts playing. If I only had this, this day would be so much better. My, my life would be so much better. If I only had this particular thing. If I only had this, this number in my bank accounts. If I only had this particular job. If I only had kids or a spouse who were like this or that. If, and, the, and the song just all day long, we just, if I only had, if I only had, it just plays in our minds all day long. And it, it robs us of the joy and peace that our shepherd gives us. And we're, we're standing surrounded by his provision in fields of green grass, still waters. And, and our shepherd saying, will you lie down? Will you rest? I've given you all you need for your soul to be at peace. Will you enjoy what I've given you? Friends, how do we go from, from standing in the green pastures, longing for what's on the other side of the valley, to, as we see in the psalm, lying down and at rest, experiencing peace? I think David's example here is instructive for us. Notice he doesn't say, I lie down in green pastures. And he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. It says David recognizes the, the presence of the shepherd that, that he ultimately experiences the, the rest and the peace that, he, that this speaks of. And what, what we see David does is he, he keeps his eyes open for the, the different ways the Lord has provided for him. And then he traces that back to the, the hand of the one who has provided it. He traces the, the gift back to the giver. That's why the practice of gratitude is, is so important for us. We, we see just constantly Scripture calling us to, to live lives of gratitude. It's because when we do, we, we notice not only the, the gift we've been given, but we, we notice the, the presence of our God at work, the one who's given us that gift. It reminds us of just how present our shepherd really is. 
can say, thank you, Lord. This, this is from you. And you are here and you are with me. And you are providing for me. And, and, and because of that, because you are here, I know you got all things under control. He traces it back and sees the Lord's presence. This author, Philip Keller, a former shepherd, writes in his classic book, some of you have, may have read, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. He says, in the course of time, I came to realize that nothing so quieted and reassured the sheep as to see me in the field. The presence of their master and owner and protector put them at ease as nothing else could do. It says we see our shepherd in our midst, noticing him at work, seeing his presence. It puts our soul at peace. And we're able to say with the psalmist, I shall not want. He's here with me. He is providing everything I will need. David says, he even provides for me restoration for when I've gone after these other things. He restores my soul. He provides the, the grace and the mercy we so often need for going astray. He says, he, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Literally, it, he leads me on the right paths. He provides for us the wisdom and instruction and guidance we need. He's a good shepherd. He knows what we need far better than, than we could ever know what we need for ourselves. And David says he does this all not because we're this you know, amazing sheep, but he does this for his namesake, because he's Yahweh. To fail to provide for his people would be to deny his very name and all that it means. Shepherd knows what we need, so he provides for us, friends. Our shepherd also protects us. Let's consider our second point, our shepherd protects us. And we, we see this in verse 4, as the scene in the psalm begins to change, and we go from this picture of lush green meadows and still restful waters, and, and then the, the sun begins to, to go down, and, and all of a sudden we, we find ourselves in the midst of a dark valley with potential danger all around, and as we enter this, this dark valley, the, the psalmist is, is leading us to confront this question, what about life when it gets hard? What, what then? Is peace possible even then? This shepherd we, we see is great in the green grass and the, the still waters, but, but can he handle even our suffering? Because the reality is, as, as we all know, that, that we are going to go through hard things in life. Many of us here, you're, you're going, yeah, I'm going through hard things in life right now. It may be a difficult season. And David knew from his experience as a shepherd that, that if a shepherd can't help the sheep in the midst of danger, well, that, that shepherd really needs to find a, a new line of work. He's, he's really not worthy to, to be called a shepherd. And we, we see throughout Scripture where there's those that, that say they're shepherds and they're not protecting the sheep and they're, they're not worthy to, to be called shepherds. So much of a, a shepherd's job entailed protecting the sheep as they journeyed through difficult and, and dangerous terrain. In Israel's climate, a, a shepherd was constantly moving the sheep from pasture to pasture to, to feed them, and to do so meant going through dark and, and dangerous valleys, places where death cast its shadow. 
where wild animals would want nothing more than to, to sink their teeth into to one of the sheep, where robbers lurked eager for an opportunity to do harm, where the, the climate itself posed dangers of flash floods and starvation and dehydration. So much of the shepherd's job was to lead his sheep not away from what is difficult, but through what is difficult. In 1 Samuel 17, David shares some of his stories from his own shepherding when he had to protect the sheep. He tells King Saul of such a time in verse 34 and 35. says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. That's what, what shepherds do. They, they run towards the danger. They, they protect their sheep in the midst of danger. Kind of feel bad for the, the lion here, right? He picked the, the wrong shepherd to, to mess with. That's why David writes in verse 4 what he does. He says, even though I walk through the, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He knows the difference a committed shepherd makes in the, the midst of the hard things of life. David says, even if I face the, the worst of the worst, I face death itself, the presence of my shepherd puts my soul at peace. He says, I will fear no evil. The, the word evil literally means I will fear no distress or, or trouble in my life. I will fear no suffering, no adversity, no sickness, no calamity. Because you are with me, I don't have to fear these things. David knew from experience it was the presence of the shepherd was the, the only thing that could, could calm a sheep in the midst of danger. Sheep are, are by nature, they're, they're, they're not brave animals. They're, they're very timid creatures. One of the, the dangers shepherds like David needed to keep constant watch for was even something like a rabbit jumping up could, could set a, a sheep running and then the other sheep will start running just because they see one of their co-sheep, is that what you would call it? Co-sheep running. And uh, just because they don't want to see why they're afraid, so, so they take off. They're very timid creatures. I had a moment recently where I saw this impulse in myself, just how easy it is for, for me to become anxious and, and fearful and just want to take off and, and run. In fact, I was preparing the sermon about not being anxious, right? And I was enjoying meditating on the, the truths of the Lord's provision. I was kind of camped out in the, you know, the green pastures and still waters, had my hammock up there, just enjoying those verses. And then I, I made the mistake of checking my email. And immediately I was aware that my, my feeling of peace had turned to anxiety. I had received an email, and don't worry, it wasn't from, from anyone here. Uh, if I'm honest, it wasn't even a, a terrible email. It was someone actually trying to be quite kind in the email, but just an email that, that made me aware of, of an aspect in my life that is, is hard. And uh, like sheep, my first inclination was, I just want to run. I just want to get away, take off find a way to create for myself a, a reality where I don't have to encounter these type of emails anymore. 
And it was just like, man, for, for, forget the valley of the shadow of death. I just want not to, not to fear when I get an email that makes me uncomfortable. And yet here David says, even when I, I face the, the worst of the worst, death has cast its shadow over my life. Even then, I will not fear. How do we live with, with this type of peace? How do we live in a way that the, the littlest things don't fill us with, with so much anxiety? I think there are two things we see that, that David does here in particular. First, and it's, it's easy to miss this, but we see there's a shift that takes place in verse 4 in how David is communicating. When what we see it happens is in the, the midst of the dark valley, David goes from ch- sharing truths about his shepherd to speaking directly to his shepherd. He goes from saying, the Lord is my shepherd, in verse 1 to verse 4, you are with me. He goes to his shepherd. This is what the, the difficulties in our lives are, are meant to, to do to us. They're meant to, to drive us to the feet of our shepherd to, to cause us to commune with him. How do we live more aware of our, our shepherd's presence than the, the presence of the dark valley that we're in? First, we, we, we go to our shepherd. We talk to him. We, we pour out our hearts to him. We, as it says in Peter, we cast our cares upon him for he cares for us. Late author David Pallison speaks of what this looks like. He says, how do you address it? Speaking of the the challenges we face. He says, you begin to live out the reality of your true needs meeting the true mercies of the living God. When you face pain, hurt, hardship, and vulnerability, look for the opportunity to meet, need, know, love, trust, and seek the living God. Instead of distracting yourself when you meet trouble, you seek to know the Lord who is with you. Friends, we we go to the Lord. We we bring our our troubles to him. And this this can sound so simplistic, and yet can it be so challenging at times? Right? So often we we turn to these other things. We we find little pseudo-shepherds to to meet our need, to to try to drown our fears out. Perhaps we, we bury ourselves in our jobs, or we turn to to drugs or alcohol. Maybe we spend all our time on social media entertaining ourselves to death. Or maybe we're just simply so busy we, we never have to face our fears. And yet it's in these dark valleys the Lord desires to reveal himself in deeper ways, to deepen our relationship with him, to deepen our dependence on him, to cause us to draw even closer that's what we see David do. He speaks to the Lord. He, he goes to the Lord. He takes his, his eyes off his circumstances and he, he looks to his shepherd. He says, you're with me. Second thing we, we see David do is he reminds himself about who the Lord is. He says, your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. The, the rod and the staff were the, the two tools of the, the shepherd. The, the rod was an instrument for protecting the sheep. It was like a club to, to knock the teeth out of any would-be predators. The, the staff was the, the tool to, to care for and, and guide the sheep. It's the, the shepherd's hook we're, we're all familiar with. 
Hereby reminding himself of the, the rod and the staff. What David is re- doing is he's reminding himself not only the power of his shepherd, but also the love and the care of his shepherd as well. When going through dark valleys, we need to remind ourselves of who our shepherd is. We have a shepherd who is both powerful and in control, and a shepherd who loves us and is always with us. Because of this, a God in times of suffering, we can trust to to carry us through. Friends, we we might not understand where the the shepherd is leading us or or why we've taken this particular turn on the path, but, but there are things we can be absolutely sure of in the midst of life's difficulties, and that is who our shepherd is, and that he is bigger than what we face, and that he loves us in the midst of the challenges we face. Friends, we can trust our shepherd with our anxieties about whether or not we'll we'll have what we need. We can trust our our shepherd in the midst of life's difficulties and the, the suffering we all face. And, and because of that, we, we can trust him with, with anything that will come our way, with all that our, our future holds. Because our shepherd has plans for us that are, are far better than even our own plans for ourselves. And that leads us to our third and final point, and that is our shepherd plans for us. In verse 5 again, we, we see the, the scene change, and the, the picture goes from one of shepherd and sheep to one of host and, and guest, and, we're, and we are the, the guest, and the, the Lord is the, the host. It's as if David's trying to do everything he can for us to understand something about the Lord's care and, and heart for us, and there's just a point where we've taken shepherd and sheep just to its, its utter limits, and, and yet there's more that David wants for us to understand about God's heart for us. So he, he, he brings in the picture of a, a host. And his guest, biblical scholar Gene Rice, writes about this passage. He says, a sheep may delight in the security of being provided for, guided, and protected by its shepherd. But a guest may enjoy full rapport with his or her host. Thus, the metaphors of host and guest complement and add a significant dimension to the metaphor of shepherd and sheep. Well, it's not only our shepherd, but he's our our host. There's a, an element of God's heart of enjoyment and, and delight that David wants us to understand. And he, he paints this picture where we, we see the host, our Lord, just pulling out all the stops to, to lavish a, a guest of honor with, with incredible blessing and hospitality. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You, you anoint my head with oil to Anoint someone's head with oil was this, this ritual that, that you, you would do to an esteemed guest. It was, you're, you're the guest of honor. I'm, I'm going to do this to honor you in front of all that are present. It was a mark of the, the host's delight and, and friendship with the cherished guest of honor. It was essentially to put on display, you, you are the object of my affection right now. David says, you honor me this way even in front of my enemies. It's as if nothing can get in the way of the Lord from from lavishing his delight on us. Even when there are hard things present in our lives, like like having enemies close by. Even that won't stop the Lord from from letting his delight in us be known. From us experiencing his goodness and his care. He says, my cup overflows. It's as if there's there's just this, this constant attention to our joy 
being given. You can picture the scene. It's just the host saying, I'm so happy you're here. Let, let me refill your cup. Let me give you some more. Keep drinking. Have your fill. Eat some more. Just such a, a beautiful picture of hospitality. He's just utterly committed to our good and our joy. And, da- and, and David wants us to know this isn't just this, this one and done kind of thing. This isn't just a, a, a nice meal that perhaps you would share with, with relatives or friends and enjoy yourself and then go home. David says that this is a picture, this, this host delighting in his guests, this is a picture of our lives. This, this is God's heart for us, not just in an instant, but, but all the days of our lives. He says in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The word for follow in the, the Hebrew text literally means to chase. There's this unrelenting persistence. It's, it's as if almost we'd have to try to get away from the, the goodness and kindness of God. And even then he'd, he'd hunt us down. Even then he'll overtake us. He says, surely this goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There's a, a certainty to this. While, while we, we may not know all the details of what we'll face in life and what our future holds, and, and because of that, we, we can be tempted to fear, but what we, we do know what is certain. We can fight anxiety for just our uncertainty about what the future holds by being certain of God's heart for us. We know certain things in our future are guarantees. David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of our lives. And not only for the rest of our lives, but David tells us that this is our, our future for all eternity. He says in verse 6, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you're, you're reading a, a book or watching a movie, if you, if you know what's going to happen at the end, although there, there may be twists and turns, you, you don't have the, the same anxiety you would if you, you have no idea what's going to happen. You know how it ends. Friends, we know the end of the story. We shall dwell in the very house of Yahweh forever. We shall be members of God's very own family the one who has found our, our greatest joy and fulfillment, not just for a moment, but forever. This is, our, this is the end of our story. This is our future. I think we, we see a, a beautiful illustration of God's plans for us in 2 Samuel chapter 9, in the, the life of David after he had become king. After years of war, David is finally able to rest for a season. And as he does, he thinks about his beloved friend Jonathan, uh, Jonathan was uh, his, his best friend who he just loved so, so dearly and deeply, who he had lost in battle decades earlier. And, and out of this just incredible heart of love for Jonathan, David decides he, he wants to express this love to a, a member of Jonathan's household. And yet he's not even sure if there's anyone from Jonathan's family still around. So David finds a, a servant from Jonathan's household, and it says in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, that he asked them, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Verse 3, he even says, Is there not someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? This kindness of God that inspired these verses. That David says, I want to show this kindness that I've experienced at the hand of my God to someone else for the sake of my beloved friend. The servant says to him, 
there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. It says that David sent for this man. His name was Mephibosheth. It's a hard name to pronounce. And brought him to his house. And Mephibosheth was afraid. He, he thought he was in trouble and that, that David was going to look to do him harm. David says to him, for the sake of your father, I'm going to restore all of your land and you shall eat at my table always. David takes this man, crippled in his feet, man who in that day and age would have been considered someone who was less than everyone else because of his condition, someone who was more a liability than anything, someone who'd never be able to pull his weight around the castle or repay David in any way. David says, I want to show this man the kindness of God to him for Jonathan, his father's sake. You shall eat at my table always. And it says in verse 11, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. This man whose life had been marked by his disability, by his weakness, by his neediness, by his sufferings, now marked by the kindness of another. His future has been forever altered. And he did this not because Mephibosheth was, was worthy, but he did it for the sake of another. Friends, isn't this our story? He, we who have done nothing to earn God's favor and can do nothing to pay his kindness back, we have done nothing to to earn the, the care and provision and protection of our shepherd that we've seen in our psalm this morning. We in ourselves bring nothing but our, our inability and our brokenness and our neediness, nothing but our sin and our shame to the table. And yet we have been given a permanent place in the house of the Lord. The Lord is committed to, to show us kindness and mercy all the days of our lives. And friends, he's done this not because we're worthy. He's done this for the sake of another who is. You see, Jesus, in John chapter 10 and verse 11, says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The, the reason we have been treated this way is because Yahweh, our shepherd, put on flesh and the person of Jesus dwells with us and then in the ultimate expression of the shepherd's care for us, lays down his very life in our place. As the prophet Isaiah prophesied what happened in Isaiah 53, 6, when he says, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now God deals with us for the sake of what Jesus, our good shepherd, has done in our place. Friends, it is in our good shepherd laying down his life for us that we, we see the, the ultimate fulfillment of this psalm. The clearest display of our, our shepherd's care. Even in a way that David did not anticipate. By laying down his life, our shepherd has, has provided for us our, our greatest need once and for all. And shown us in the, the clearest way possible that there, there's nothing he will hold back from us that we need. We, we, we can have no doubts that everything we need will be provided. He's given us his very life. 
It's a shepherd laying down his life that we, we can find the, the greatest assurance that no matter what comes our way to, to do us harm, that our, our shepherd is so fiercely committed to protect us from ultimate harm, he'll do it even if it means laying down his very life to do so. He couldn't be more committed. While we experience suffering, there is nothing our shepherd will not do to keep us safe in the midst of our, our suffering and to keep us secure in him. He's defeated our, our greatest foes, sin, Satan, death. We have no, no reason to fear anymore. There's nothing he hasn't done. Friends, because of Jesus, this psalm is our song to sing. The questions in, in life that, that can cause us so much fear have been answered in Christ. And we can live with absolute certainty that because our shepherd is always near, we can trust him to take care of all that we fear. Let's pray.